Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. My boss called me in one day and he said, Colin, I'd like you to improve the customer experience and I'd like you to do it at least cost, which is always the challenge they throw in. They never say spend as much money as you want. (laughs) And I've got a crate full of Rolexes to uh, help you do that. Give them away to customers. Absolutely. Yeah, just give them to customers. They'll like that. And it's disturbingly common for people in business to not step back and think about what is the larger strategy that we are trying to pull together here. We basically developed this customer experience statement with them And Maersk, by the way, as a result of this work, improved their net promoter score by 40 points over a 30-month period that led to 10% increase in shipping volumes. So, Colin, as you know, I teach MBA students, and I get them fresh off the boat. I get them when they very first start their MBA program. So That's a bit worrying, isn't it? Uh, not for me. <laughs> for them, I can see where it might be. But yeah, I'm one of the first faces that they see when they start their MBA program. I was a bit more worried from a management perspective. And I just wonder what the dropout rate will be if you're the first face that they see when they walk through the door. Well, see, we've thought of that, though, and they have to pay their tuition first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it all works out. It works out just fine. I don't appreciate some of these questions, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make you start submitting your questions in writing first (laughs) before we start. I can just imagine you're standing there presenting to one person and wondering why why things have not worked out so well this year. But there you go. Well, you know, one of the selling points is the classroom size. (laughs) Whatever it takes to get there. So as I was saying, one of the key things that I try to impress upon my students early on in their MBA education is the importance of realizing the difference between strategy and tactics when you're trying to solve a business problem. It is really common for people to jump straight to tactics, straight to implementation, because this is the concrete stuff, the stuff that we can start doing now. And it's disturbingly common for people in business to not step back and think about what is the larger strategy that we are trying to pull together here? So that's what we're going to talk about in between insulting me and my teaching. <laughs> what is a CX strategy? How do you build one? How do you eventually implement it? And why are they important? Yeah, no, great. And I think that one of the best, building on what you are just saying, one of the best examples was that I love Stephen Covey, God rest his soul. One of the things he talked about was the difference between management and leadership. This is the seven habits, Stephen Covey? Yeah, the seven habits, yeah. I read that years and years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's still a bestseller for a reason, right? I mean, Yeah, no, absolutely. Great book. 
one of the things he talked about was the difference between management and leadership. So he said, imagine that you're in a forest and you're cutting your way through the forest and you're trying to work out, well, okay, we need to take the lumber down. We need to cut this down. We need to and then take the lumber away and we've got to get the canteen there to feed people and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And he said, leadership is getting a ladder and getting above the forest and then going, we're going in the wrong direction. We're meant to be cutting a road that way. <laughs> yeah. And that for me is like the difference between strategy and tactics. And again, I think you're totally right. Oftentimes people get caught up in the tactics without taking the top level view of life. Maybe the difference between putting out fires and figuring out why there are so many fires in the first place and maybe avoiding them in the future. Yeah, the difference between why 72 people sign up for a course and then after seeing you as they walk through the door, only one person sits there. You know, that that type of thing. Again, we have different ideas of what constitutes a problem. <laughs> Is that like a feature and bug issue? Have you graded 72 papers before? <laughs> So let me explain how we go about defining a strategy. So we've had a number of listeners written in and said, how do you go about defining a CX strategy? Can I ask you as we lead into this, most of the clients that you deal with, do they recognize the need for a strategy or do you ever have to have a conversation around you are asking us for kind of tactical solutions, but really you need to think about your broader strategy first or are most people kind of on board with that before you, you start? I think the majority of people, 60% of people, if I was to take a guess, would look at it things from a tactical perspective. And we have to talk them through why they need to have a strategy or why they need to set the direction. In the Covey example, why they need to get the ladder up in the forest because the danger is they're going to go in the wrong direction. There is two really, really, really key questions that we would pose people. I always remember when my boss, when I was working in corporate life, my boss called me in one day, I was SVP of customer experience, and he called me in and he said, Colin, I'd like you to improve the customer experience and I'd like you to do it at least cost, which is always the challenge they throw in. They never say spend as much money as you want. (laughs) And I've got a crate full of Rolexes to uh, help you do that. Give them away to customers. Absolutely. Yeah, just give them to customers. They'll like that. And I walked back to my office and I thought, what's a customer experience? What does that mean? And, you know, this is really what all these podcasts are about. I mean, this was 20 years ago. I'm just showing my age now. But the second thing I thought was, and here's the key question, what's the experience that we're trying to deliver? And I sat there and I thought, bloody hell, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> This is a bit embarrassing. I'm a senior leader in this organization, and I don't know the experience that we're trying to deliver. And I thought, oh, well, I'll tell you what, you know, what all good managers do, I'll call my team in. So team came in. I said, hey, guys, yeah, a bit embarrassing. I don't know what the experience is that we're trying to deliver. Could you tell me? And they went, oh, I don't know. And then I walked around the organization and asked that question. And here's the issue. Everybody has an opinion, Mm -hmm. but all of those opinions are different. And therefore, that strategy hadn't been set. 
So no one from on high had said, and actually it was my fault because I was on high, no one from on high had said, okay, this is what we're trying to do. The second key question that comes into it, which is, again, go back to the Covey stuff of you're building this road through the forest, and now you're getting above the forest and going this direction. So what direction do you want to go in? Well, guess what? What you want to do is you want to drive value for the organization. In other words, you want to make more money. You want to get more loyal customers. You want to improve your net promoter score, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And therefore, to answer the sort of the strategy needs to be one that will drive value. Now, I know that's pretty obvious to say, but here's the rub. When we've asked the majority of organizations, when we go in there and ask the question, that question, what's the experience you're trying to deliver and therefore what drives value? Majority of organizations don't have the answer to those two questions. My secret weapon, anytime I do consulting, and you've seen me do this when we work together sometimes. And so anybody out there who does consulting, like use this, ask people to define simple things like that. Like, so what is your strategy, you know, or who is your customer or what is your brand? What does it mean? And it's great from a consulting perspective, because as the consultant, you don't need to know the answer yet. But it makes you look like a genius that you ask the question, right? No, absolutely. Because so often people can't answer it well, you know, and in their defense, it's a hard question to answer. And you're so caught up in tactics from day to day. I think that's one of the things that consultants can provide is that opportunity to step back and ask those questions. And it's to your credit that you did that yourself when you were in that role, because it's easy not to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the other thing for me is that, you know, you need to take that step back because, again, you end up heading in the wrong direction. So here's something I would really strongly advise that the listeners do, and I find this extremely powerful. Wait till you're at a team meeting and then say to people, just write down what you think the experience is that we're trying to deliver. And the important part here is get them to write it down individually. Okay, give them a couple of minutes and then ask them one by one, go around the room and get them to articulate what it is that they've written down. Okay, now some people will just write words, some people will write sentences, and just on a flip chart, pick out the key word. And typically, you get people saying reliability. We want customers to be loyal. You know, we want to be loyal. You know, blah 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 blah. What you'll find is you'll end up with 27 different words on your flip chart. And then the question is, effectively, you got 27 different views. Mm -hmm. So the question then is, well, what is it? Because if we've got 27 different views, then we got a problem. And it's even more powerful if you've got sales sitting there, marketing sitting there, customer service sitting there, because everyone each of those departments will have a different view of what they're trying to deliver. Sometimes there'll be kind of benign disagreements where it's just unfocused, but sometimes it'll actually be conflicting where different organizations are actually striving towards different goals. They're going to be like competing and canceling each other out towards those goals. Yes, absolutely. Let Beyond Philosophy help you discover what your customers really want, not what they say they want, by uncovering the hidden drivers of value in your customer experience to create real ROI. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com contact. 
That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. So for us, one of the first things that you have to develop is what we call a customer experience statement. So this is effectively an articulation of the experience that you're trying to deliver. People can go onto our website, beyondphilosophy.com, and they can see, if you go to our case studies, there's a famous case study that we've got there, Maersk Line. Maersk are the largest container shipping company in the world. We basically developed this customer experience statement with them. And Maersk, by the way, as a result of this work, improved their net promoter score by 40 points over a 30-month period that led to 10% increase in shipping volumes. And that's not me saying that, that's the client saying that, and it was actually written up by Forrester, etc. But Maersk, we created with them a customer experience statement, and what they wanted for their customers to do, or the strategy was, they want their customers to trust them, they want them to feel cared for, and they want them to feel pleased. Okay, so think about it. So that's the... I'm up on the ladder looking over the forest. This is what we're trying to do. On every interaction, we want our customers to say, I trust Maersk. I feel that Maersk care for me. I feel pleased with that interaction. And the way we got there was by doing research so we could effectively understand which emotions drive and destroy value. And that's using our, uh, which we've again talked about before on this podcast, our emotional signature research, which effectively looks at which emotions drive and destroy value, i.e. again, the money that you get back as an organization. And from that research, we narrowed it down to trust, cared for, and pleased. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. What had it been before? Had it been kind of undirected? Had it just not been articulated or had they had a different strategy in place? I'm not trying to get you to throw a former client under the bus before. <laughs> no, what is fairly common in organizations is they, well, first of all, most organizations can't answer that question. Okay, And again, for me, it's a fairly simple question, but most organizations can't answer it. What did they have before? They were trying to be customer-centric, but effectively what was happening was each part of the organization was doing whatever they thought that meant. Now, you can get each of those functions, sales, marketing, customer service, each of those would probably have their own articulation of the strategy. You know, maybe some do, some don't. But the key issue is they didn't have a company strategy. Okay, an articulated company strategy. Okay, and therefore, what happens is when I deal with sales, I get one experience. I see something from marketing, I get another experience. I contact customer service, I get another experience. But by developing this customer experience statement, you're able to turn around and go, okay, so across the organization to drive value. We want our customers to say that they trust us, they feel cared for, and they feel pleased. Therefore, and here's the key issue, that has massive implications on the organization. 
So let's suppose, Ryan, that you want your customer experience to be fun. And I do. That may be one of the other reasons why you're getting a high dropout. Have you ever thought about that? Everybody wants to have fun, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) And what better way to have fun than studying marketing as an MBA student? Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about it, if you want your experience to be fun, then by definition, the type of people that you should get should be fun people. Yeah. So your employees, type of employees you should hire. Yeah, correct. Yep. Already I'm in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely going to have a word with Emery. (laughs) But that becomes the issue. So the issue is you can now imagine, sorry to talk about accountancy, but you can now imagine that an accountancy is saying we want our experience to be fun, but they're actually employing people that aren't. By definition, what they therefore should be doing effectively is over a period of time, replacing all the people that are boring with fun people. So the point I'm trying to make is it has implications and the implications need to be thought through. Okay, so when you're setting the strategy, it's not just as easy as let's do some research. Let's do this emotional signature. Oh, look, that's what it tells us. Okay, that's what we'll do you've actually got to sit down and go, well, hold on. If we want our customers to trust us, what does that mean that we would need to start and stop doing? So before we make a choice about which path we're going to go down, we need to think of the implications of it as well. Mm. Otherwise, the danger is it just becomes something that sits on everybody's office wall and nobody ever takes any bloody notice of it. This is something we've talked about before, where everybody's on board until something needs to change. And a strategy usually means something needs to change. Absolutely. And again, when we do this for our clients, the part of the process is inclusion. So you're getting people in the organization and eventually the senior team to make the decision. Why? because you want them to own the decision. Right. And you want them to understand the implications of their decision. So if it's done too far down the organization, in the middle of the organization, then the danger is is it won't stick because decisions made on high you know, can counteract it because they haven't been involved, they don't really understand what it means and all the rest of it. So when we do it with clients, an important part of this is you get the middle management to start thinking through the details of the implications of some of these words, but you eventually get the senior team to go, no, this is the strategy and direction that we're going to get, and we understand the implications of it. And then now this becomes the articulation of, okay, so here's the strategy, this is the direction. The next phase that sort of follows on from that is, okay, so now you can do journey mapping, Now you can start designing experiences to deliver trust, cared for, and pleased, or whatever yours is. And now you can start to measure it. So now you're measuring those things. And then again, and we've talked about this on another podcast, one of the other key things that you've then got to do is to just train your people on how to deliver that. So you need to train people on how to identify how the customer is feeling coming into the experience 
and you know that you want them to feel trust, cared for, or pleased walking out of the experience. So how are you going to convert customers to feel that way? Does all that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And it comes back to there are lots of ways that create like a good customer experience, like a pleasant customer experience that don't necessarily increase trust or increase people's, you know, feeling cared for. So these are very specific goals. These are high level strategies. And unless you know what those strategies are, you can quote unquote improve things, but in ways that your customers don't actually care that much about, or at least that don't increase value to the company. Yeah. And going back to how you started this podcast off, what you're improving is the tactics. The Stephen Covey, you're improving the machine because you're managing to chop down trees a bit faster or clear the logs away a bit faster and stuff like that. But actually, how do you know which direction you're heading? Maybe you're heading in the wrong direction and you're doing all those things. And most importantly for me, you're doing those things and it's not driving value. And I'm going to try not to get on my hobby horse here. Uh Are we talking about Apple again? No, we're not. We're not. But I'm glad you've mentioned it because we wouldn't have had a podcast without mentioning it. I know that you were starting to break out in the hives <laughs> from your studio in Sarasota. You couldn't figure out why. No. the um, I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> Mission accomplished then. If I go back to the beginning of the year where we talked about the fact that Nunwood and Forrester had produced results that said, that customer experience is flatlining, stagnating, and effectively the changes that people have made over the last three years, both of these reports stated, effectively are not having any effect. I would say absolutely part of that reason is because people are chopping the wood down, they're improving the efficiency of the machine, but they haven't set the direction in the direction that drives value. All they're dealing with is the day-to-day issues and they haven't got their head above the parapet and gone, hey, are we heading in the right direction to drive value? Therefore, the irony is, is that all of the effort that they're putting in is effectively wasted or certainly not as efficient as they should be. Setting the strategy is absolutely key. So if there was one bit of advice you would give, you know, we always like to finish this, one bit of advice you would give, what would it be for you, Ryan? Well, I'll wrap up with my favorite quote on this topic. And this is by Peter Drucker, who's a management guru. And he said, there's nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which should not be done at all. And that's what happens when you focus on tactics without knowing what the strategy is. I mean, tactics are really important and getting those tactics right and doing them well are very key. But, you know, to your point, maybe you're building the road in the wrong direction. So you could be building this beautiful road through the forest and doing it in the wrong direction. And now you're just wasting everybody's time and money. So my one bit of advice is to, you know, ask those high level consulting questions of yourself, take a step back Why are we doing this? What is it that we need to do? And 
sometimes answering those questions requires additional research and requires talking to others on the team. We're going back and talking ideally to your customers, but what is that high level strategy that you have? And if you don't have one, stop everything you're doing and get one. Yep. I totally agree with all of that. The thing I would advise people to do is do this bit about ask people around the organization, what's the experience you're trying to deliver? Because you will be surprised how different those things are. And for me, that highlights the problem. The other part that we haven't spoken about, and particularly when it comes to doing research, most organizations are just starting to recognize that customers have emotions. And most organizations do not have any research on customer emotions. You'll note from the Maersk example, trust, cared for, and pleased, those are emotional things, okay? They result in doing things that are very tactical, like doing what you say you're going to do, If you say the delivery is turning up next week, then to get a customer to trust you, then it needs to turn up next week. If you say you're going to phone a customer back, then to get a customer to trust you and to feel cared for, you need to make sure that you phone them back. So it results in very tactical, rational things. But typically, there has been no research done on the emotional things, and that needs to be included in the strategy. Because what we know is that over 50% of an experience is about how a customer feels. And if you're ignoring that, you're ignoring 50% of the experience that you're delivering to customers. What I like about your Maersk line example, this case study, is the fact that it's not Disneyland who is trying to improve their customer experience. This is a hard-nosed B2B business. You know, it shouldn't be from a rational perspective that emotions are driving value. It should be bottom line concerns. And yet what you found and what Merck found was they had the most to gain by focusing on the emotional state of these B2B customers that they were serving. And that's what drove value. And the other interesting thing about Merck is, by definition, they're a very logical left brain organization because they're dealing with logistics and they have to be. But by embracing that emotional part of it produced a lot of results, as we've said, a 40-point improvement net promoter over 30 months that drove 10% shipping volumes. I'm sure if our listeners could turn around and say that that's what they've achieved over the next 30 months, then everybody would be very successful and earning a lot more money. Okay, well, if anybody wants to talk about this further, then I'm always happy to talk to people. Please just reach out to us send us an email at contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. Thanks very much. And we will look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, everybody. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.